0: The Law School of America Net Worth and Cash Expenditure Methods of Proof Under the Net Worth and Cash Expenditure Methods of Proof, the IRS performs year-by-year-by-year comparisons of net worth and cash expenditures to identify under reporting of net worth. While the net worth method and the cash accrual method may be used separately, they are often used in conjunction with one another. Under the net worth method, the IRS chooses a year to determine the taxpayer's opening net worth at year's end. This provides a snapshot of the taxpayer's net worth at a particular point in time. The snapshot includes the taxpayer's cash on hand, bank accounts, brokerage, stocks and bonds, house, cars, beach house, jewelry, furs, and other similar items. Generally the IRS learns about these items through very thorough and in-depth investigations, sometimes casing the suspected fraudulent taxpayer. In addition, the IRS also assesses the taxpayer's liabilities. Liabilities include expenses such as the taxpayer's mortgage, car loans, credit card debts, student loans, and personal loans. The opening net worth is the most critical point at which the IRS must assess the taxpayer's assets and liabilities. Otherwise, the net worth comparison will be inaccurate. The IRS then evaluates new debts and liabilities accumulated in the next year, and assesses the taxpayer's new net worth at the next year's end. In addition, the IRS reviews the taxpayers' cash expenditures throughout the tax year. The IRS then compares the increase in net worth and the cash expenditures with the reported taxable income over time in order to determine the legitimacy of the taxpayers' reported income. The net worth method was first used in the case of Capone v. United States. The cash method was approved in 1989 in United States v. Hogan. Bank Deposit Cash Expenditure Method First approved by the 8th Circuit in 1935 in Kleckman v. United States, the bank deposit cash expenditure method identifies tax evasion through review of the taxpayer's bank deposits. This method of investigation primarily focuses on whether the taxpayer's total bank deposits throughout the year are equal to the taxpayer's reported income. This method is most appropriate when the majority of the taxpayer's income is deposited in the bank and most expenses are paid by check. This method is most commonly used for surveillance of tipped employees and is combined with statistical analysis to determine what tipped employees' actual wages are. Information gathered through this method is most successful when the credibility of tipped employees can be destroyed. This method is used less frequently now for tipped employees because the IRS negotiates with hotels or casinos, the largest employers of tipped employees, to identify a tip estimate. If the tipped employee reports the minimal amount agreed upon, he is not questioned by the IRS. However, it is recommended for corroborating other methods of proof. Given the uncertainty of this method, this method likely could not be used in criminal prosecutions where the guilt must be found beyond a reasonable doubt. Whistleblower Program. In addition to the methods of proof the IRS has developed, the Tax Relief and Health Care Act of 2006 created the IRS Whistleblower Office, which allows anonymous whistleblowers to receive 15-30% to 30% of any recovery by the IRS which comes to at least $2 million including all penalties, interests and any other monies collected from the government. The whistleblower program seeks information based on evidence and analysis which can provide a solid basis for further investigation rather than speculation and hearsay. The program is designed to provide incentive to ordinary citizens to inform on tax cheats, the program provides far greater incentives for whistleblowers than previous programs because under prior programs the government was not required to compensate whistleblowers. Under this program, a taxpayer may file a lawsuit in court if he or she does not receive a deserved award. Whistleblower Office. Established by the Tax Relief and Health Care Act of 2006, the IRS Whistleblower Office's processes tips received from eligible individuals who spot tax problems in their workplace— in their day-to-day personal business, or anywhere else. After determining the degree of credibility, an appropriate IRS office is assigned the case for further investigation. The IRS office assigned varies by the type of issue that the whistleblower alerted it to. Individuals must meet qualifications to be eligible to receive the reward and must submit Form 211 with supporting documentation to the Internal Revenue Service Office in Ogden, Utah. To claim eligibility the individual must not be an employee of the Department of Treasury or have been an employee there when they obtained the information, must not have obtained the information through the individual's official duties as an employee of the federal government, or who obtained the information based on a contract with the federal government. Whistleblower incidents happen in greater frequency in the private sector opposed to the government. The reward can be worth between 15 and 30 percent of the total proceeds that the IRS collects. To claim the reward, the IRS must move ahead based on the information provided and the amount identified, including taxes, penalties and interests, must be worth more than $2 million. A gross income of $200,000 or more is required if the taxpayer in question is an individual. The Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018 added subsection 7623c which expanded the definition of proceeds for whistleblower awards and was applied to open whistleblower claims. The Taxpayer First Act was signed by President Trump on July 1, 2019. This law made changes surrounding the notification process to whistleblowers and increased protection against retaliation available to whistleblowers. The main goal of the legislation was to improve taxpayer service and to ensure that enforcement of the laws is done in a fair, impartial manner, ultimately supporting the continued success of the nation. Inadvertent Tax Evasion Incorrectly filling out tax documents can also be labeled as tax fraud or tax evasion. While these incorrect filings can be due to neglect or lack of knowledge of the tax code, the IRS will take these matters seriously. Just by looking at the documentation, the IRS cannot determine whether the incorrect filing was an unintentional error or done with intent. If it is determined that the error was unintentional, the IRS will apply two common accuracy-related penalties to individuals, Negligence or disregard of the rules or regulations or substantial understatement of income tax. Negligence is determined when a reasonable attempt to follow tax laws is not done when preparing tax returns. Disregarding the rules and regulations is classified when the filer carelessly, recklessly, or intentionally ignores the tax rules and regulations. The penalty for both incorrect filing methods is 20% of the portion of the underpayment of tax. Substantial understatement of income tax applies when the tax liability is understated by the greater of either $5,000 or 10% of the tax required to be shown. The IRS will send a notice letter if an accuracy-related penalty is applicable. These penalties will be charged interest but can be disputed or removed. The date that interest is charged varies by the penalty but will increase the amount owed until the balance is paid back in its entirety. If the filer acts in good faith and can show reasonable cause for why they were not able to meet the obligation, the IRS will be able to remove the penalty. Interest cannot be reduced or removed unless the penalty is reduced or removed. The IRS offers a toll-free number at the top right corner of the notice letter for the filer to call a dispute. The filer can also write a letter stating their rationale as to why the IRS should reconsider the penalty. When the letter is sent, the filer should also include the notice letter the penalty to be considered, and an explanation as to why it should be removed. Historical U.S. tax evasion cases? The IRS publishes the number of civil and criminal penalties in the IRS Data Book, IRS Publication 55B, and makes these available online. Table 17 shows tabulated data on civil penalties and Table 18 shows data on criminal investigations. In 2012, the IRS assessed civil penalties in 37,910,493 cases and 4,994,926 abatements. In 2012, the IRS initiated 5,125 investigations, of 3,701 which were referred to prosecution, 2,634 resulted in conviction. The agency also highlights current investigations on its website by various categories, including abusive returns, tax schemes, corporate fraud, money laundering, and various other categories. 1932-1939, Al Capone served seven years of an 11-year sentence in federal prison on Alcatraz Island for tax evasion. He was let out of jail early while suffering with the advanced stages of syphilis. 1933, Gangster Dutch Schultz was indicted for tax evasion. Rather than face the charges, he went into hiding. U.S. President Harry Truman pardoned George Caldwell, George Parr, and Seymour Weiss for income tax evasion. 1963, Joe Conforte, a brothel owner, served two and a half years in prison, convicted for the crime of income tax evasion. 1971, Martin B. McNeely, Republican, New York was placed on one-year probation and fined $5,000 for failing to file an income tax return. He had not paid taxes for many years prior. 1972, Cornelius Gallagher, Democrat, New Jersey, pleaded guilty to tax evasion, and served two years in prison. 1974, Otto Kerner Jr., Democrat, resigned as a judge of the federal Seventh Circuit Court District after conviction for bribery, mail fraud, and tax evasion while Governor of Illinois he was sentenced to three years in prison and fined $50,000. 1982, Frederick W. Richmond, Democrat, New York, was convicted of tax evasion and possession of marijuana and served nine months. 1985, Joseph Alioto, a lawyer, confessed that he paid no income taxes during the years he served as mayor of San Francisco. 1985-1986, Iran-Contra Affair, Thomas G. Kleins was convicted of four counts of tax-related offenses for failing to report income from the operations. 1987, Robert Bernard Anderson, Republican, former United States Secretary of Treasury, 1957 to 1961, pleaded guilty to tax evasion while operating an offshore bank. 1986, Harry Claiborne, Federal District Court Judge from Nevada, was impeached by the House and convicted by the Senate on two counts of tax evasion. He served over a year in prison. 1990, Howard Snyder purchased $3.35 million worth of chips in the Trump Taj Mahal and left without paying a single game, resulting in a $65,000 fine. 1991, Harry Mani, founder of the Deja Vu strip club chain, began to serve three years in prison for tax evasion. Matty the horse, Ianiello, mafia, was sent to prison for income tax evasion. 1992. Catalina Vasquez Villalpando, Republican, Treasurer of the United States, pleads guilty to obstruction of justice and tax evasion. 1993, Sam Rody, nephew of Chicago Alderman Fred Rody, was indicted on federal tax charges, which were later dropped. Nicholas Castronuovo is the owner of the Florida Pizza Parlor where Senator Robert Torricelli was caught on an FBI wiretap soliciting contributions in 1996. Nicholas Castronuovo and his grandson Nicholas Maloney later pleaded guilty to evading the government of $100,000 in taxes. 1995, Webster Hubble, Democrat, Associate Attorney General, pleaded guilty to mail fraud and tax evasion. He is sentenced to 21 months in prison. 1996, Heidi Fleiss was convicted of federal charges of tax evasion and sentenced to seven years in prison. After two months, she was released to a halfway house, with an order to undergo 370 hours of community service. 2001, U.S. President Bill Clinton pardoned Mark Rich and Pincus Green, indicted by U.S. attorney on charges of tax evasion and illegal trading with Iran. Clinton also pardons Edward Down Jr. for wire fraud, filing false income tax returns and securities fraud. 2002, James Traficant Democrat, Ohio, was convicted of 10 felony counts including bribery, Racketeering and tax evasion, he was sentenced to eight years in prison. 2002, the Christian Patriot Association, an ultra right wing group, was shut down after convictions for tax fraud and tax evasion. 2005, Duke Cunningham, Republican, California, pleaded guilty to charges of conspiracy to commit bribery, mail fraud, wire fraud, and tax evasion in what came to be called the Cunningham scandal. He was sentenced to eight years in prison. 2006, Jack Abramoff, lobbyist, was found guilty of conspiracy, tax evasion and corruption of public officials in three different courts in a wide-ranging investigation. He was sentenced to 70 months in prison and fined $24.7 million. 2008, Charles Rangel, Democrat, New York, failed to report $75,000 income from the rental of his villa in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic and was ordered to pay $11,000 in back taxes. The House of Representatives voted 333 to 79 to censure Wrangell. It had been 27 years since the last such measure, and Wrangell was only the 23rd House member to be censured. 2008, Senator Ted Stevens, Republican, Arkansas, was convicted on seven counts of bribery and tax evasion just prior to the election. He continued his run for re election but lost. However, prior to sentencing, the indictment was dismissed, effectively vacating the conviction when a Justice Department probe found evidence of gross prosecutorial misconduct. 2013, Big Four accounting firm Ernst & Young agreed to pay federal prosecutors $123 million to settle criminal tax avoidance charges stemming from $2 billion in unpaid taxes from about 200 wealthy individuals advised by four Ernst & Young senior partners between 1999 and 2004. Significant Tax Evasion Cases in History Ernst & Young from 1999 to 2002 were helping wealthy clients avoid paying taxes that led up to $2 million in taxes. They were using fraudulent tax shelters to lower their clients' income tax liability without the change in income-slash-assets. The shelters were named COBRA and CDS. These names were used from around 1999 to 2002 and helped 200 clients. They looked like real investments that were designed to help lower taxes for the clients, but the shelters had no economic substance, and the sole purpose was to reduce taxes illegally. All of the firm's fraudulent shelters were removed in 2003. Ernst & Young paid a settlement to the IRS of $15 million and an additional $123 million in 2013 to settle federal allegations. The government dropped A from being criminally prosecuted but the firm needed to abide with strict controls over their tax practice. KPMG ex-employee David Rivkin lost his job as a partner when a tax evasion scandal led him to plead guilty. He used illegal tax shelters to help lower income tax liability and was the first worker at the firm to confess to doing these criminal acts. These shelters generated false losses up to $11 billion. This illegal act was in full motion starting in 1999 and ending around 2005. His plea consisted of allowing clients to forego $20 million in taxes that totaled $235 million stolen from the government. This was done through nine clients Rivkin helped. He also promised to help convict the other defendants related to this case. Thirteen of the defendants that did not plead guilty were dismissed due to the prosecutor's unconstitutional actions. These actions were considered coercion by forcing KPMG to not pay legal fees to defendants which violated their rights. Four defendants were tried and acquitted from all charges. David Rivkin was the only KPMG employee who was convicted and punished for the crimes committed and was one of the lesser individuals involved in the whole scandal. Walter Anderson was involved in the biggest tax evasion case by a single individual that amounted to $365 million in unreported income. The case stated that Anderson avoided paying taxes on $450 million earned that created a loss of $200 million in government taxes between 1995 to 1999 but pleaded guilty to a lesser amount. His charges were on two counts of tax evasion and one count of defrauding the DOC for failing to report income. He formed new foreign corporations named Gold and Opel and Iceberg Transport but also had foreign bank accounts none of which were disclosed to the IRS. Anderson tried to hide ownership of these entities that helped earn him $365 million in income. In 1999, Anderson filed a false income tax return for not reporting this income. His sentence was a nine-year imprisonment with a restitution payment due to the DOC. The lowest School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio.